Welcome to welcome to this lesson on the future future in the past. This is Lane Santa Cruz, your Ward 1 Council member with your co-host, Flor, and you're listening to No Tucson. We started this podcast in response to our daily fight against COVID-19 and as another means to share information and resources with community and have dialogue with what's happening. Flor, what do we have this week? We have our very own mayor of Tucson, Regina Romero. Uh, we wanted to bring you in to discuss your experiences as a powerful woman in political spaces and how you navigate misogyny um, that comes with this with these positions. So just I'm going to start off by asking the mayor, uh, what empowered you to become politicized to step into this role? Well, thank you so much, Flor and Council Member Santa Cruz. I'm so happy to be here with you, too, and communicate with your audience. So. What um, what made me get involved? Okay, really, my parents always talked to me about justice and community and helping each other and helping those in my community. So it really formed who I am today, right? I, I come from a, a family of six, eight with my parents, a farm working a community. I am a bicultural, bilingual a border girl. I grew up on the border with familia on both sides of the border. And that experience really formed who I am. And my dad, even though he went up until second grade in Mexico, uh, really kept himself informed and really liked to read about politics. And it was politics both in the U.S., and Mexican politics. And so I remember, you know, a lot of people say that you shouldn't talk about religion and politics within family, but my dad and mom had pretty interesting conversations and sometimes arguments with the tias and tios. <laughs> and so I grew up hearing these conversations. And so that really helped form uh, me politically in a way that I didn't even know. Uh, but when I graduated from high school in Yuma and decided to come to the U of A, thanks to good counselors and teachers that helped me through the process, a couple of my, my sisters were already here in Tucson going to Pima College. And I came to Tucson to the summer bridge program at the U of A. I felt really disconnected, like I wasn't worthy to be there in some way. And I wasn't prepared. And I started taking classes at Pima College. I took a class with um, La Profesora Guadalupe Castillo that taught Chicano studies. And that class really, really uh, opened my eyes to a lot, you know, to the history of um, Chicanos here in the United States and Mexico Americanos that have been here for generations. And so it really opened my eyes to injustices, to women, 
and people of color not being recognized and not having a seat at the table of the policy making and the decision making tables and i may i vowed after that class that i would get myself involved in the political process and it wasn't like i'm going to run for something it was much more like i want to register people to vote i want to tell them how important their voices are um to vote and to participate in our community And so that's kind of how, as millennials say, I, um, I, I woke up. Mayor, thank you so much again for, for joining us. I know that during the campaign, you know, we had a lot of moments. I know that like you were my saving grace, you know, the other person that understood a lot of what we were going through, especially being in a race, running against mostly men. And so that we, we had mentioned that at some point we wanted to kind of have a debrief. And I know that we still we still need to have that, you know, more in-depth conversation about um, that experience of, of being femmes and running for office. But uh, just to kind of go off of what, what you shared about like where I felt like I I was able to have a voice and, and get politicized. And I can say I was, you know, being a student at, at the U of A as well. And that's where I met. That's where I met you, Mayor, you know, doing the Cesar Chavez Holiday Coalition, planning the march, planning the, the youth conference. And then later on, you were on the board for the Center Against Sexual Assault. And so when you decided to run for office, you you offered me a position to, to work with you. And so I feel like those were all moments, you know, that that I was becoming politicized. And, and as much as like that process for me was around like activism and organizing, it was also about how do we how do we have multiple strategies, you know, to, to do the work that's going to benefit um, our community and address a lot of the injustices that we see. So I can say like at, at, you know, 19, 20 years old, that process started for me. But I think similarly, I remember some of that political education happening at home. And I remember like before even having knowledge of, of you know, our economic system of, of capitalism, um, I remember my dad having a conversation with me about how you needed, you know, like the rich class that wealthy people needed to have poor people because there's no way that they could be rich, you know, without exploiting um, people's labor um, and people's work. And I remember being, I think I was like in middle school, maybe early high school. And like, that was just really disturbing to me, that idea that like, the way that people are able to to generate so much wealth is is by um, making sure that um, there's a poor class. So that was a seed that I thought was planted. And it kind of really colored, colored my world. Um, so, so thank you. And thank you for being part of my project and process and that we get to be on this journey um, together is definitely a highlight for me. Well, I'm so, I'm so lucky, so lucky, Lane, that you're part of this journey with me because, you know, <laughs> I, I put in, I did, I was, it was very similar experience for me, Lane. Uh, that when I took that Chicano studies class, I was about 19 or 20 as well. And, you know, at that age, I met someone that brought me along, that invited me to the political process. And um, so it, it took me a long, long time in organizing. I don't know if you all remember that when I was on the board of the Southern Arizona uh, Center Against Sexual Assault, we started 
organizing the vagina monologues in Espanol. And we had the vagina monologues in El Pueblo Activity Center and Neighborhood Center in Espanol. And so we wanted to talk about these topics of rape and sexual assault and being a woman and our experiences. And so it, that was part of my wanting to be part of the decision-making table, right? And But it took me years and years and years. And I know that it has taken you as well, Lane. I remember clearly that <laughs> when I, when I, when we started my journey as the Ward One Council member and you were part of my original team, that I asked you, like, Lane, do you ever want to run for something? And you were like, no. <laughs> But it really takes, you know, it, it takes some time to have people kind of move in the direction of what, like, what makes a difference? What makes a difference for our communities, for women? And it's layered, as you say. There's many different ways of affecting change. Well, I remember coming from activist spaces, and I know you've experienced this. You know, there's this, like, holier than thou. I'm more woke or better or whatever than our person, you know, in elected office. So I knew that you had you had that, you know, coming at you. But I also saw the way that people mansplained, you know, over you or the way that you were treated, you know, that it was so disrespectful. And I was like, I don't know how she deals with that. Like, I would, you know, <laughs> I would try to tell somebody off. And so like, yo siempre digo, no soy peleonera, pero me sé defender. And like, I have two brothers. And if I ever feel any kind of way that somebody's coming at me, you know, I like snap back. <laughs> so you always just taught me and just learning from you, like how graceful you are in those situations, but that you also know how to defend yourself. You know, you also know how to assert yourself and I feel like I'm, I'm learning how to navigate this space from a lot of what I've learned from you. But I definitely remember being like, they treat her so, like people treat you so bad because you're a woman and you're a Latina. And like, why would anybody want to be in that position? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've had to navigate it myself too, right? Porque yo también soy peleonera. <laughs> um, no soy peleonera, pero I actually really push on the issues that I believe are fair. And, you know, menterco, I, I kind of like, I, I really hold tight. And I do remember when I first got elected, I had um, you and I had Diana Rhodes and I had Mac Hudson and, and a couple of others. And I remember I would have meetings and um, especially if it were It was white males, white males over 40. If Mac was sitting next to me, these men would talk to Mac and Mac would look at me so that he could make the guy feel bad, right? You're not supposed to be talking to me. You're supposed to be talking and speaking with her. But it took some time for me to adjust because, you know, I come from a Uh, an old school mom that sometimes my mom confuses uh, being decent with with not saying anything. And so I had to learn how to say something, how to stand up for myself and how to assert who I am, my presence and my authority. And so I've learned how to stand up and say something 
And if I choose not to say something, then to find a way to get what we need to get done for my community and, and for our city. So it's taken some time and sometimes it's painful. Sometimes there's no opportunity to say like what you're doing is sexist, but I've learned how to make those calls and how to also use some tricks, right? <laughs> um, use some tricks in terms of uh, if you're not going to listen to me, because sometimes rationalizing and explaining things uh, don't work, believe it or not. <laughs> and so I've learned how to go around uh, certain people and ask others to, for help and asking others for help uh, for the benefit of the community shouldn't be seen as as bad. But it's standing up, it's saying something and having our allies say something too. So something that comes to mind, Mayor, is, um, you know, when we're talking about sexism, is this other dynamic, and I know you've lived this over time, as that like, you are a puppet to your husband or other men in your life. And I've, you know, seen social media rounds about myself as well on the topic. So wondering um, who are actually your femme, you know, role models and advisors that kind of help guide you through this process. And that's not to say that your husband, you know, and, and other people aren't, you know, part of that. But I think that we're always just like ignoring or not giving credit to like the the women or femmes that have inspired, you know, and continue to inspire the work that we're doing. You are one of my advisors <laughs> uh, since you first worked for me as a council aide. We see eye to eye in so much, but you see things differently. And then you have a way of explaining it. Like you're a professora, right? You have a way of explaining things that I'm like, oh, wow, I've never, you know, I didn't think about it like that. But before I start talking about who, you know, what femme role models and advisors I have, the amount of uh, pushback on a woman, uh, Chicana, being at the table you know, calling it and saying, this is what I want. This is what I want to push for my community. And then being savvy enough to find the votes and push the agenda that we want to see happen, a much more progressive agenda, is an insult to some people. And these spaces, the, the political process and media and other spaces have been occupied by men and just by showing up, it's it's an insult. And so, uh, you know, in, in some of these spaces are the media. I think as of right now, right, it's still the newspaper and the media has been run by by men. And so I remember the I remember like if it was yesterday when I when I first got elected, I started pushing my agenda and one columnist in particular wrote, you know, council member Romero has to look at herself in the mirror every day and practice the lines that she is fed by, you know, Raul 
and others. I was like, oh my goodness, that is unbelievable that this dude wrote it down and actually printed it and and that he's not embarrassed. (laughs) Uh, And it was for me, you know, I've grown up with just my family, very little. We come from a farm working family. I didn't realize how poor we were until I had to do my FAFSA for financial aid when I was coming to the U of A. And so it's it's really unbelievable how much I've had to, you know, push and pull myself through spaces in order to be able to have this space for the benefit of my community. People like Lupe Castillo that help open my eyes to our history in this country and disparities. People like Isabel Garcia and Mona Grijalva. My mom, who's a super strong woman fighter that comes from a long line of women fighters y guerreras. My siblings, my sisters, I have four sisters that give me a lot of advice and make me laugh and kind of sometimes take my mind off of politics. My mis hermanas, um, my sister friends um, that really give me a lot of space to uh, recuperate. Dolores Huerta, who has been my shiro and you know, help my family without even knowing us, with all her work for farm workers in her life. And that has become a good friend uh, because in the marches and rallies for Cesar Chavez and, and Dolores Huerta, we invited her here and she has been coming to Tucson for many years. And she is the one that really said to me, you know, when she asked me, when are you running for something? And I'm like, oh, you know, I want to have kids. I want to go get my master's. And and she's like, you know, all of those things can happen at the same time. And if you want to have kids, the kids, your your children will adjust to you, to your life. And so all these strong mujeres uh, that I include you and, and other um, strong women that helped me through through all of this toxicities coming at us. Oh, thank you for bringing, you know, yes, all that list, like as I'm thinking too about all my my sheroes and, and role models and femme models, it, it's that list. And I also like, for me personally, it's like Raquel Rubio Goldsmith, you know, and uh, Maria Teresa Velez and, and my godmother, you know, Patricia Gonzalez and, and my mom too, you know, and as much as we, we fight and struggle, like I, I always say that I have the best and the worst qualities, you know, about, about both of my parents, but I think I get a lot of my like, que no, you know, que no te rajes, no te rajas, you know, that kind of attitude from, from my mom. Um, but it's also just really interesting, right? Because we come from this like lineage of matriarchs and that's so much like that is that is who we honor and respect, you know, in, in our families and in our communities. But then we're like confronted with this other world where they, the assumption is that it isn't other women that are raising us and holding us up, that it's that we're just puppets, you know, to, to men, that are within our proximity. So that's, that's always fascinating to me, you know, knowing like that's, that's the world that we, we navigate and we live in. 
But as a result of that, do you ever feel like there are parts of you that you've had to hide or adapt in order to be more accepted? You know, I, I just think that as as you go through this process, Lane, and you're going through it, um, you learn, you adjust. Um, I've had um, incredibly tense confrontations with the same people that question my intelligence and my ability and my my purpose. So I have had to adjust, um, especially in those times where I tell you, you know, where I feel like my the decency of my mom and my dad comes out. And I remember my mom would say, even when we were growing up and you know, and amongst us siblings, she would say, que quepa la prudencia, you know, que no haya, que no haya puro loco. <laughs> um, and I remember that, you know, do I have to make my statement now or will I have the opportunity to confront this person? Or even if I don't have the opportunity to confront this person, with their racism or with their sexism, for me, it's much more of a, it really gives me a lot of energy to say, you know what? I'm going to prove to you and the rest of the world my worth and my intelligence just by doing what I need to do and what I need to get done. But I remember when I first started, my dad, funny thing, he would watch my council meetings. And my dad was like, he understood English, but, you know, hablaba puro español. And I remember that he would come to my house to visit and he would say, oh, te estaba viendo que te estabas peleando con el chief of police. <laughs> and, and, and I would ask my dad, like, si, papi, que piensas? You know, what do you think, dad? And he's like, no te dejes, mijita. That's so awesome. Ah, que en paz descanse tu papi. He was such a sweet man. Yeah. You know, yeah, I also just want to acknowledge, you know, your 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 dad and my brother, Jorge, because they passed away, you know, in the same month. I remember that my brother passed and then within days, you know, I heard that your dad passed. And yeah. I know those were like difficult times. And, and I can also say that like, yeah, that that's, you know, he's one of my mentors, you know, que soy... Masqueruda, you know, because of him. <laughs> <laughs> so that you know, I totally, totally understand. But we um, carry, we carry them with us. We mm. we really do. We really do. And um, like as I'm as I'm even thinking and reflecting on this question um for myself, you know, I think it's it's a hard thing, you know, to navigate porque, you know. I always try to show up as like my authentic self and, you know, we're complex people. And, and when you were talking about Dolores Huerta right now too, and her kids and I'm like, I have a lot of kids and I know that even you and I would get told to not be a Latina statistic and have a bunch of kids. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I remember we had a conversation when you were with me. Um, I had Emiliano And then one New Year's Eve, I think that it was um, already like January and we were going around the, the staff, you know, and we were like, oh, what are your New Year's, New Year's resolutions? And I said, I want to have a baby girl. 
And one of our, our colleagues, he's like, what? No, <laughs> you're not going to have another kid. You're a council member. You cannot have another kid. You already have one. And you were like, people like you should have kids, Regina. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's why I believe in choice. I could have zero or I could have 11 if I want to. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because at least for me, our work is, it's complicated. Our lives, you know, like we don't always have the safety nets or everything that we need to raise children, but we make it work, you know, and, and that's, I feel, I've always felt that it like, yeah, it takes a village to, to raise children. It also takes a village to fail them. But I feel like it's it's in a whole like extended family community that helps us raise our children. So I've never felt like, oh, it's just me. Um, but I sometimes do feel that pressure, right? Of like, don't show up with your kids or bring that when for me, that's that this is why at least personally, why I'm passionate about the work mm-hmm. is because it's like, what is the world or what's the legacy that we're leaving for the next generation? And I know that, you know, a lot of your work is focused around climate change and what are we doing because the decisions we're making right now are are having an impact and I think that we feel that to our core because we have children (laughs) you know like we don't want them to think that we just took it like oh it's not our problem you know to fix and it's theirs yes and my love my love of land it really comes from my dad and he was happy when he was in wide open spaces, you know, my dad was a, like a real cowboy. He had, he was a real cowboy. His, sus botas and su, his cowboy hat. And he grew up in El Rancho. And, you know, he had to leave his, his uh, homeland in Sonora because, you know, he was 15 when he left. He came to to the U.S. in a time where where it said, no Mexicans and no dogs allowed in 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 restaurants. Pero he always felt happy with open spaces and land. He loved wildlife and wild spaces, and so he would take us in the summers to a little pedacito, a little ranch that he bought in the mountains of Sonora. And that's where I learned to ride horse and to work on the ranch and, you know, and, and we would we would take baths in the river and, you know, we would see how beautiful the mountains and the wildlife that sometimes visited us. And so that's the love of the land, of conserv- conserving our land. And that's really where the passion first started. And now it's about, it feels like it's survival in terms of climate change and what's happening and what the responsibility that I feel to my children, you know, that, that ethic of conserving land and, and valuing land, wildlife and wild spaces that comes from my father. That's what I want to teach my kids and how valuable the history of our land is and protecting it and loving it for future generations really detachment from seeing land as the possibility of making you rich, but the value that it brings to your happiness as a wild space. That's what I want to teach my kids. And I want to be able to leave uh, at least something comparable to them and really be able to 
for them to be able to have a future, right? Because it's that's where we are, Lane. We're, we're in a point where it's if we don't act boldly and quickly, we could really, really leave something that something that we can't turn from. So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's about leaving something for them to be able to even live, have water, and have some sort of future. I really liked hearing that, Regina. It was beautiful to hear your, like, the background and the, when when I hear about, like, you're going to plant trees and you're going to fix and, like, you're going to do all these things for our environment. And the way the media turns that is so evil. And it's like, oh, like, she doesn't know how to spend our money. Like, she doesn't understand, um, like, our ecosystem or all this stuff. When it's, like, it's about, like, preserving what we have right now for our future, and, and people don't see it that way. People see it so twisted and so ugly. And, you know, it has to do with the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you're a woman with power. You're a woman in these positions that people don't feel like you should be in or with Lane as well. And like hearing this backstory about why, you know, why you want to do this, it just, it's, it's really refreshing. And it, I think it humanizes you a lot because a lot of the times when I, when I've seen like, you know, like on TV and you see all of these things, you're, you're kind of like this like unreachable, untouchable source that's there, you know, like your goals, but like what's behind that? What's the story behind that? And it was just really beautiful to hear that. And I'm really glad that you and Lane touched on on having, you know, like on, on being families and having like kids, because I know for me, like working like just regular, like customer service jobs it's like you have to hide that you're a human and like you're you're a family member you have to hide like your kids you have to hide that your family has problems you have to hide all of that stuff so that you're employable and so coming into this space and seeing you at events with your babies and seeing lane with their babies and um it's just like it's 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 something that i'm adapting to where it's like oh, like I'm, I'm a human and I get to bring my kids and I get to say I have kids and say it proudly and still get to like plan for the future, even though I have a baby, like I still can say like, I'm going to run or I'm going to keep going to school or whatever, you know? And it's like seeing both of you continue with your lives as the badasses that you are, carrying your babies, breastfeeding them in the meetings. Like to me, that's been like revolutionary and radical to see as the person that comes from like just having to hide all of that all the time, like having to just be like, I'm available for whatever you need, but not for my family. Like, I see you as like, you know, like these freaking like diosas, like you're up there doing these badass things. And then you go into these city council meetings and um, it's enraging to see the way that the people behave towards you because just, you know, that misogyny that's there that doesn't want to be named and they just want to call it like, oh, like they're inexperienced. They don't know. And I'm just like thinking back. I remember when we, when this episode was just being talked about, like the first thing that came to my mind was our first city council meeting. We, you had just, you know, you, you, you were, this is your first time as mayor in the space. And um, I remember walking in there with Lane and seeing how dismissive these people were towards you, like mostly men. It was all the men. They were very dismissive towards you, like not that they have to like get on their knees and, you know, and, like and, like throw roses at you. But like 
just acknowledging you, like, you know, shaking your hand, acknowledging that you're there, acknowledging that, like, you're our new mayor, like, the first Latina in Tucson, like, all of those things. And that it was just, like, it was whatever, you know? It's, like, just, it's another person in the room. And I, I remember just feeling so, like, full of, like, coraje and just anger. And then the same thing, you know, with with Lane, like, this is my council member. And she's, you know, they're at this table and all these dudes are just like talking over you and taking up so much space. And I, I remember Lane sitting there next to Paul and he's stretching out. He's taking up the whole table, stretching out his legs. And like Lane had to like kind of push out a little bit because she couldn't fit. Like they weren't able to fit at the table because physically here's this man taking up all of the space that he can with his limbs. It was just awful to see that. And it's just, you know, like I I would like to hear like from from y'all, like how how do you respond to this? How do you deal with this in, in your own? You know, because for me, I just remember feeling so much rage and feeling like this is this like I need to be here because these women need more women to support them and not let this shit happen. So I just I want to hear from y'all how y'all deal with that type of violence. Yeah, um Yeah, it's I've I've experienced that, right? Even the the space that they claim <laughs> really invades my space. But it really is you know as simple as moving forward, right? It's it's, it's as simple as claiming what's yours, whether it's space, claiming your voice, and pushing through the misogyny and sexism. And sometimes, like I said earlier, sometimes you get an opportunity to say, I know exactly why you're doing what you're doing. Or asking others, like I've been, sometimes people are, are like, why does that person, what, what does he have against you? You know, my mom sometimes said, sometimes you don't have to answer questions. Sometimes you have to answer questions with a question. What she kind of taught me was like, ask them why they're asking that or ask them what they think. So what I've done a lot is, why do you think he acts with me the way he does? And so that way you make people think without without putting any words or thoughts in their in their mouth or in their mind you know it's it's making people think and opening their eyes to it because a lot of people you know they're not exposed to it so they cannot recognize it they don't recognize aggressions and microaggressions and so it's about helping them think what it is that we are all feeling you know and i don't expect as mayor or when I was on the council, I didn't expect people to, like you said, throw roses and, you know, and kneel at my, my entering the room. Uh, but I only expect the same respect that is given to men. And when you're the first in anything, there's good things that come with it. And there's bad things that come with it. As the first woman council member for Ward 1, it, it took in a first Latina ever to be elected to the Tucson City Council. It it took me some time to adjust to to my voice 
And it took people time to adjust to to me being there. It's the same thing that's happening to me as the mayor. Yeah, that's it's you kind of push back. And for me, it's really, really important to bring along other females, other femmes with me at their pace. But it's really important to have someone like Lane uh, sit with me at the council table because it's it's that that much voice that much that much more that we can add with our experiences our knowledge and um our agenda yeah i i love seeing y'all when you work together and it's just it's i i i i just love to see that doing i love to hear you own that you know like i am the first latina to be here in tucson and it's like to be the mayor it's it's like it gives you goosebumps you know because it's like one of those trailblazing things that sometimes like when you're a kid people just say things like oh yeah you're gonna grow up to be this great great you know so and so and it's like you don't you don't really think about it and then finally you start seeing it and it's it's you start to see the things that people say you can be and that's amazing and Flora, if i can just like jump in real quick you know i it, it's fascinating to me because I, I was actually very resistant to like running for office when when mayor romero back in the day had asked me if i would consider it to them being this in, in this position now that you know like you have a lot of hesitation but you know that like okay we can't just be like critical all the time and then not also step up to the plate so that's how I felt I was like I can't just be throwing things you know at electeds without being willing you know to do the work but what is fascinating is that like I've heard other council members even refer to me as like being this like aspirational politician that this is just like a career move for me which, you know, on, on one sense, it makes it sound like like I don't really care, you know, about my community, that it's all about my career aspirations. But on the other end, what I see is like, why can't people like me and Regina and the mayor, you know, have aspirations? And it's not to say that like, yeah, that this is a stepping stone. And I think because of a lot of our survival mechanisms that we do take things day by day. But I'm like, what's wrong with that? Like, say if the mayor at some time decides to run for for governor or she decides to run for you know the senate or whatever you know she decides to do like why is that a bad thing like we should be celebrating that but that we cannot be taken serious because all that we're doing is like career aspirations you know is is sexist and i just wanted to name that mm-hmm. yeah lane like uh one time you know someone said regina is so what's the word they used Regina is ambitious. And I thought about it and I said, you say that as if it's a bad thing. And the person like, (laughs) you know, took it by surprise. They didn't think that I would say something about it. Ambitious when you say a man is, he's so ambitious. It's a good thing. But Women, they, you know, use it as if it's something bad and it's okay. It's, it's okay to be ambitious. Uh, it's good as a matter of fact, because, uh, for me, as I, as I see it, it's, it's, um, I'm serving, you know, I'm never going to become rich serving in office. This is, this is something that I love and 
Sometimes I compare myself. I don't know if that happens to you, Lane. Sometimes I compare myself with others and I'm like, hey, I'm as smart as that person. <laughs> I'm as smart as that person. I'm pretty sure I could do this too. So I want to teach my daughter. I have Luciana. She's 10. And she's a little badass, you know, as my as my son is, Emiliano. She's, she, you know, has this attitude and I, and for me, it's like, how can I make sure that that, that attitude, that sassiness, that power that she has doesn't die down? And how can I make sure that she doesn't let others kill it in her? It's a, it really is about naming it and not doing it, not perpetuating that ourselves or letting others with our, our, our mujercitas that are, that are coming up. And I can totally attest that Luciana is a little chingona because anytime that I'm over there trying to help her fix her bike, she wants to know and she wants to do everything herself. And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, she is. She is. She leads. She leads. <laughs> they just got to keep watching y'all and then they're going to be great. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I also wanted to ask, you know, the council member and yourself are under so much stress and scrutiny and constantly you know like going through all these things I mean from like death threats to people protesting outside your house so you know how can we as individuals or community members help you you know support you and your mental health thank you for asking that I I think that the best the best thing to do is saying something you know just just a pat in the back is unbelievably effective being able to publicly say, Council Member Santa Cruz, you're standing up for the right thing. Keep at it. A lot of people reached out to me and, and my family when when that happened, when people came to my house, when that... And, and we got really worried, to be honest. Um, my address was disclosed on Facebook. And we have seen for years now... We have seen the hate mail that comes to me um, on the council side, and then of course now as mayor, and so that is really violent. My husband was like he put music and he tried to make it lighthearted because that's you know just his personality. But I saw, I I saw the fear and anxiety in Emiliano, and I saw the concern in Luciana. And it pissed me off. And I had to call in police detail to my house. And that's super invasive. You know, and I, and I just had to travel with the police detail for, for some time. And I didn't like it. But I had to do it because we know the, the time we live in, right? We know that, that people can get a hold of a gun and, and come to my doorstep Forget about injuring me, injuring my kids. And so just just being able to say publicly, we see you, Mayor, we see you, Council Member, we see the good work that you're doing is really satisfying to me. And in calling a spade a spade, calling it out like that is wrong. That's good. I think people have a power in their voices just to tell us and also you're going to laugh, but like letters to the editor, 
your own social media spaces, it's strong, it's powerful, and that helps. And, you know, of course, Lane called me and just to check on me, just to say, hey, Mayor, how are you doing? Just wanted to check in on you. That's always, that's always good, too. Yeah. And if I can just add on to that, we get a lot of trolls, right? Any post, anything that we put out that's seen as controversial, but we're taking a stand on issues, we get flooded with trolls. And it's not just locally, you know, it's like across the country. I know that they're, you know, just like articles get put out. It's just, so it's a hot mess. We have these threats flooding our inboxes, also the mail to the office, and then on, on social media. So I think anytime that folks can like counter that, but really at the end of the day, you know, at least for me personally, it's like, okay, this is part of the territory. This is what we're going to get. But like, we need folks to show up when we're speaking out against like police brutality or we want affordable, accessible housing, whatever it is that we need folks to show up and be like, this is what this can look like. Because I think it's really easy to be hypercritical about the work that we're trying to do. But it's actually really hard to like show up with like, here are the solutions. And for me personally, it's like that that's what I want to see. You know, I want us to be bridge builders. I want us to be like solution makers. And that that would be really helpful for folks to show up in that way. Yeah, that's always really helpful. Yes, for sure. So, so Mayor, okay, as we're as we're getting, you know, to our closing, I'm thinking about like um, mantras or dichos, words of affirmation that help us keep going. And I wanted to share mine, but I also wanted to hear yours. And so, when it comes to like leadership and and the way that we show up to the work, and I always know that the the zapatista saying that mandando obedeciendo, you know, is a big one for me of how I see leadership, you know, that like we do the work by also showing up and like we don't ask from people anything that we, we wouldn't be willing to do ourselves. So that's always been a big one for me. And then the other one that Ansaldua kind of adapted from the caminante no hay camino, se hace el camino al andar. Gloria Ansaldua ser caminante no hay puente, se hacen los puentes al andar. Because that's always how I've seen my work, right? Like we live in these like multiple realities and we're always trying to like bridge them and like bring people along or at least make them accessible to folks. So I know that at least personally for me, those are those are big ones. Um, but wondering and curious if you have those kinds of dichos or, you know, words of affirmation that help you keep going. Yeah, I love the mandando, what was it? Mandando obedeciendo? Sí, sí, sí. I love it. I love it so much. I'm, I'm a little old school. The, the one my mom uh, raised us with is cada cabeza es un mundo y lo tienes que respetar. And that is a saying de Benito Juarez, the first indigenous president of Mexico, that had amazingly progressive policies and my mom you know studied him and and loved Benito Juarez and really you know talked a lot about Benito Juarez in our in our household cada cabeza es un mundo y se tiene que respetar and that has helped me to really form and respect people's individuality and the other one is a little old school too but it's so it remains so so true La Unión Hace La Fuerza, which is something that that was coined by, by labor organizations. And it was used by the United Farm Workers when my dad was, you know, in La, in la Lucha. 
um, la unión hace la fuerza is uh, so important for me porque it, it really says it's you, we can do so much more when we're unified and when we lock arms and and fight for equality and justice and in our climate and our children together. And that is so, so true. And I also want to say that we're not always going to get along on all the things, but then there are things that we do come together, you know? A lot of times we have more in common than not, and we should focus on the things that we agree on and work on those things together. And so as we wrap up, Mayor, is there any any final thoughts? Is there anything that you feel like we missed that you want our listeners to know? No, I think we've been really thorough, and I really appreciate you having these conversations council members so that it really is outside of the of the council chambers and and just an opportunity to to have our community get to hear our perspective on this and I appreciate it I appreciate you so much and your staff and um I'm looking forward to many, many years of sharing this space with you and hopefully many more Mujeres Poderosas like you. Well, thank you so much, Mayor. También, you know, feel the same way that I think it's important for our listeners, you know, for the public to just, we're just like, we're just like them, you know, we're just people who have our stories and our reasons for doing this work and, and that, you know, we're in this together. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Flor. Muchas gracias, Mayor. It was so nice talking to you. Thanks for listening to No Tucson. Visit our social media. Keep listening on our website or subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date and in the know. If you don't know, now you know. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Gracias.